uh, what I want to get you to, to, to wrap your mind around is the sacrificial ram, this idea of Abraham. Um, I don't know how you guys feel in your life, uh, all the ups and downs, trials and tribulations, good and the bad. I don't know when you maybe have felt like you have failed the test. Uh, if you're a young person, maybe you're saying last Tuesday. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's like an actual thing you remember that you didn't study for, you forgot to study for, and you failed that test. You know, and those of us that are adults in here, you are very familiar with other kinds of tests that maybe you have failed. It's so weird to me. It's an odd dynamic, but I see it happen all the time, is you can have a couple, man. They have been in, uh, they've been to hell and high water with one another. They've been through all the highs and all the lows of life. They've been in the daily grind with each other. They know every nuance about that other person, all the great stuff. They finally have gotten to a place, usually it takes like 40 years to where they're like good with all those, that other person's quirks that drive them crazy, okay? If you're out there dating, just know this in advance. The things that uh, attract you to that person will end up driving you crazy about them, okay? Uh, if they're funny, uh, you'll say later on they don't take anything serious, okay? If they're very organized, later on you'll say that they're controlling. That's just two examples, all right? It'll all drive you crazy. It takes 40 years to get over it, and usually you do, and then all of a sudden, poof. They're gone. And I hear this all the time. Instead of just like remembering all the quirks, right? All the weird things that you and you alone knew. What the person will start saying is just guilt. Guilt. I coulda, I woulda, I shoulda. Man, Satan loves coulda, woulda, shoulda. He loves that because there's no time machine. You can't go back in time. You can't fix it. And we all of a sudden, everything becomes about what we coulda done and what we shoulda done. And, and all of a sudden, you start feeling like you... You like failed this test. Some of you raised and have raised children, okay? And uh, now they're adults. And now some of you have these weird moments in your life where all of a sudden there's this test called parenting and you feel like you have failed it. Like as, as if to say, had you had Cheerios and waffles every morning, your kid would be 100% balanced today and a successful adult, you know? Like instead of like... Just looking at the journey that it's been, I don't know how many times I can hear a parent start to regret every last parenting decision that they either did or did not make, and they start feeling like they failed the test. Well, I have great news for you, because Abraham was an epic uh, test failure, okay? Uh, complete mess. And even better news is Jesus loves to use people who mess up. So uh, you're in the right place. If you're wondering about your marriage, or you struggle with your marriage, or you're struggling with your kids, uh, Abraham was terrible at both. So that's good, okay? You're already fitting right in the pages of Scripture. If you're already having some regrets about things that have happened in the past, you're not going to outdo Abraham. If you're wondering about how your past decisions will affect your future, you're not going to outdo Abraham. Ever heard of something called Islam? Yeah, that was one decision that Abraham made. So you're in good company, okay? If you've messed up, you fit right in here in the pages of scripture. Great news, okay? And so I want to just kind of give you an idea of, of Abraham. Abraham is told, of course, by God, like, hey, I am going to bless you. Uh, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky. Abraham, this is like, this is going to happen through you. And scripture even says, Abraham believed God until Abraham decided 
God needed a little help. Has that ever happened in this room? You believe God, you believe his promises, you believe his faithfulness, right up until rubber hits the road and something practically that you wanted to happen in your life isn't happening the way you thought it should or when you thought it should, so we decide to help God because maybe he has dementia. It's Alzheimer's God that I worship. That's right, right? And so like, that's, that's what Abraham ends up doing. Him and his wife confer. She's saying, hey, honey, I'm not getting any younger. we got to figure out a way. He said he's going to bring a kid. Like, let's just kind of make this happen. So he takes a servant girl, and there's Ishmael. And if you know about the roots and the lineage and the history of Islam, right from Ishmael. That's in our world today. One choice to kind of help God out, and that's just it. What you're going to see time and time again with Abraham, two different times, not once, Twice he claimed he did not know his wife when put under pressure. Why? He thought he was going to get killed. I don't know who she is, man. She's, she's not my wife. You know what? She's my sister. That was the game he played, all right? Ladies, with your husband, okay? I don't think you're probably sitting next to him or certainly not close to him if not once but twice he claims he's not married to you. That's what he did. So already, already as a dad, already as a family man, already as a leader of a home, He's a mess. Already as a spouse and a leader, he's a mess. His life, if, if it was charted out, looks more like a heart monitor. It's up and it's down and it's everything in between. It's your world. And what I, I hope you can just wrap our heads around in here, the soul, the soul always keeps score. Always keep score. Always. There's always a price. Always a price. You know, um, the things that young people are being exposed to online, the stuff that's readily available to each and every one of you online, all of that is a razor cut to the soul. All of it. All of it. You know, uh, what about this? Like, maybe a past relationship. You know why? Here comes the code part, all right? You know why we tell people what, well, okay. What we have told former youth group kids about certain activities before marriage. How we doing? All right, because I'm going to save that conversation for you, all right? Yeah, in 10 years when it's not awkward. Okay, right? Right? And so what we don't tell Young people, and here's the problem. This is what we should be telling them. Sinning is fun. That's what we should tell them. It's a lot of fun. We don't tell them that. Sinning feels great. We don't tell them that. No, we tell them, oh, this could go wrong, this could go wrong, this could go wrong, this will go wrong. Blah, blah, blah. And then they try that thing that you told them not to try, and they find out, my parents are crazy. This is great. What are they talking about, right? My pastor doesn't get it, right? And here's just it. This is that same idea. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah, it's a great time. Only your mind, only your brain knew you weren't married. Your soul didn't know the difference. All of it keeps score. And people then can't figure out why when they get married and they settle down, 
why all this weird junk comes back into their relationship. They have no clue why. Well, it's because the soul keeps score. It knows, see? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, and we could just be more honest with our kids. Like, that's the reality. I've been with guys before that fought over across seas in the middle of a desert, Middle East, right? In the middle of the night, they're yelling and screaming. They're barking out orders at 2 a.m. Why? Because the soul and the heart doesn't know that it's been 10 years, doesn't know that they're on the other side of the globe back in the good old U.S. of A. No, the soul and the heart thinks they're still there. And that may not be, some of us, for let's say PTSD in this room, different forms and, 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 and fashions of it. Maybe not something you actually did, but something that was done to you. And you can't figure out what is like this thing that like you keep carrying around with you. Well, this is that reality that I'm saying. Like the, the soul carries all of that stuff. And so what do you do? What do you do? And at that point, you're either driven like an Abraham, either by fear or faith. Fear or faith. Which one is it going to be? Okay. And this is such a cool story with Abraham because at this point in Abraham's life, he's already pretended he didn't know who his wife was twice to spare his life. He's already given birth to Ishmael. He's already made epic failures and mistakes. He already has, okay? Worthy of scripture to be talked about for thousands of years after his life, okay? So our story picks up in Genesis 22. And verses 1 to 14, feel free to follow along either in your pew Bible or up on the screen. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and I will go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up. And loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The firewood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I wonder just if we stop right there for a moment. And I don't know if you ever feel this way, but like, like you almost owe God. Like, if you're sitting out here and, like, you have enough screw-ups to your name, enough bad ones to your name, at least in your mind, 
you know, and things seem to be going along well in your life. Because what's so strange is that for all practical purposes, even though Abraham has been off track numerous times, God still blessed him. And I don't know how, how you ever are or how you ever operate in your life, but sometimes you can just be robbed of joy of God just choosing to bless you and choosing to be faithful because all you're doing is running around in this life going, when's the bottom going to fall out? It can't be this good forever. You know, I got it coming. When's it going to come full circle, you know? And I wonder with Abraham in this moment of the story, is some of that faithfulness just purely about trusting God or just kind of finally doing the math on how everything has finally added up in his life? How many times... He was told to do certain things, and he didn't, and God still cut him a break. How many times God was still faithful when he was faithless? And so maybe now some of this is maybe just being kind of worn out, like, fine, I'm going to do this. I should do this. I'm going to be faithful in doing it. But you have no idea at what point is the baggage in his heart and his mind finally taking its toll, right? And I want you to catch something that is so cool theologically that uh, those of us that go to uh, schools and learn all this nerdy stuff, uh, we, we spend all this money just so that we can give like 30 seconds of information, okay? And I'm about to give you one piece that's cool that happens here in verse 11. Here it is. Check it out. But the angel of the Lord, stop right there. This is super cool, okay? All right? There's only like five things I remember from the seminary. This is one of them. Okay, I was really paying attention this day. Okay, the angel of the Lord in Hebrew is Malik Yahweh. Say Malik Yahweh. That's it. So when you meet up with your friends, for like, what did you learn in intro? I learned about Malik Yahweh. Just let it hang. Okay, let it hang. You'll sound brilliant, awesome. Okay, Malik Yahweh is angel of the Lord. Malik Yahweh only shows up a few times in Scripture. In your English Bible, it just says angel or angel of the Lord. It doesn't always differentiate in the Hebrew, okay? Malik Yahweh has a completely different designation from other angels in Scripture. This is an angel that speaks specifically messenger of Yahweh. It's not even angel of Yahweh, messenger of Yahweh. And what we believe is actually happening there, if this isn't like a mind twist... The messenger of Yahweh is the second person of the Trinity. Second person, there's the Father and the Son. And you're like, huh? Well, he doesn't fit in time. Have you ever noticed that? He doesn't fit in our boxes. He's not trapped in your world or my world. We're trapped in his, see? He's the one that built all the constraints that you live within. Why would he be confined by the things that he built for you? So here is the son who one day will be revealed as Jesus, the son of God, okay? And so scripture would say in the Hebrew that Malik Yahweh, the messenger of Yahweh, the second person of the Trinity, later to be identified as the person of Jesus, shows up. And if you put that in that context, how cool is it what he's about to say, the messenger of Yahweh, the second person of the Trinity, to Abraham, this hot mess of a father and a husband and a human being. Because he's about to take the blade to his own boy. And this is verse 12. This is now the messenger. Think about this. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God. 
because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. You know what a ram is? Ram is an adult male lamb. The lamb of God. Behold the lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. Well, a ram is just a male adult lamb. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Don't you see the beauty A man unworthy of the faithfulness of God. An inconsistent mess of ups and downs and everything in between. It's the second person of the Trinity who shows up and says, No, spare your son. Because, yeah, the soul keeps score and so does God. Spare your son because there will be a different son who will come along. And everyone will know him as the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. And the ram that you're looking at that's caught in a thicket, this lamb won't be caught in a thicket. This lamb instead will have a crown of thorns. And this perfect sacrifice will be in place of your son. Not just to atone for the sin and the mistakes of you and your family, but for all families, for all marriages, for all people. If I could just give you one last thought, can you people please live in grace? Because what actually happens and what this is really about is God interceding when we don't deserve it. God taking the place of broken people when they do not deserve it. This is not about the faithfulness of Abraham. It's the faithfulness and, perf and perfection of a God that would stand in the place of Abraham. This is only just a, an image, a broken shadow of what would come in the, in the absolute fullness of who the person of Jesus would be. And if I could just remind you of anything one last time before you go about your week and what you're thinking about in your life, is whatever that is, whatever that junk is, whatever that, that struggle that you've continued to have, you need to know and you need to understand that it has been forgiven by Jesus Christ. Live in freedom for what he's done for you. All of that junk of your coulda and your woulda and your shoulda and all the stuff that you're afraid that you messed up as a parent. Let me help you. You probably did. And you probably fell short in your marriage. Join the club. I sit in a rocking chair and I watch my kids ride their bikes up and down the street. Constantly being reminded I can't even stop this moment. Because this day will end. And here comes the next one. And they're going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And did I handle this moment right? Like that's the human condition. You can't fix your stuff. See? You can't. This thing with Jesus in grace is not just meant to be something that we wait to experience when you're dead. It's something to receive right now in your marriage, right now with your child, right now with your family, right now in your community, right now. 
Leave that stuff here. Leave it here. Walk in freedom. Grace and mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're about to become Pilgrim Baptist Church. I think we're on our way. <laughs> you, should <laughs> you should have seen half the roof tighten up. <laughs> Who is that intruder clapping at church? Is he in my seat? I'm kidding. I love you guys so much. Let's pray to God and let's lift up all of our stuff before him. God, we thank you for your love, your kindness, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that each and every one of us, in spite of being a mess, sometimes like Abraham, man, we are faithful and we're on it. And other times we are just driven by fear and regret and shame and guilt. God, you delight in each and every one of us so much. And your death was not just about the sin that we're comfortable sharing in this room. It's actually even the deepest, darkest stuff that we would be convinced is above your sacrifice. And yet nothing is. When you tell us everything has been wiped away from the east is to the west, that means everything. We thank you, God, for what you did when you interceded in Abraham's life. And we thank you, God, for the way that you have forever interceded in ours. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen.